0: This podcast is a ministry of Christian Life Center in Berwyn, Illinois. Our goal is to create a real faith for the real world, and we hope this helps you grow. For more information on Christian Life Center, visit us at our website, www.berwynag.org. Thank you. Verse 3, it says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. So there has to be what I would call a spiritual self-image. That each of us cannot come into the body of Christ and be members of the body of Christ and think of ourselves only individually. Sometimes we come in and we don't fellowship with anybody and nobody says hi to us and we don't say hi to them and we come in and we come out and that can't happen in a body. There has to be connection between us because I'm not living entirely to myself. I'm living with the idea that I'm connecting with everyone in the body of Christ because together we are going to offer the one living sacrifice. The living sacrifice that we fulfill, the, all the suffering that we fulfill in our own bodies, and our own lives, that, that sacrificial offering that we lay down as one group of people. We have to live as a sacrifice by carrying ourselves with a spiritual self-image. That involves humility. He, there has to be a certain humi- he, he says here that we must uh, uh, think of ourselves not more highly than we ought. He doesn't say think of yourself lower than you ought to think of yourself. He says to think of yourself accurately, to know who you really are accurately, and to recognize who you are and carry yourself with, your, with your, an awareness of your strengths and your weaknesses. To know who you are and where you came from. To know all that it, that 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 you are, and to really be honest, to, to live your life in a way that you can you can represent yourself to others around you in a way that they recognize who you are, and that you're not misrepresenting yourself. Because God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God's purpose and plan is for us to carry ourselves with this spiritual self-image, and we live that out in our our daily life. It involves. A sober judgment, it involves, the scripture says, an act of faith, because God is constantly stretching us. You know, you can get stuck where you were. Your understanding of who you are can get you stuck where you once were. You can, you can think of yourself as, like if, for instance, I was a drug addict, so I could think of myself as, uh, as a drug addict. I could still think of myself the way I was 40 some odd years ago, but I, I don't. I think of myself the way God is speaking to me now, the way He's acting to me now, the way He's call, He's called me out of that. I'm not what I. I know where I've come from. I know what I am. I know left to my own devices who I will be. But I also know that God has moved me along, and that I'm better and smarter. And gosh darn it, I'm worth it that God knows where He's calling me, He's bringing me to a place, and I'm willing to cooperate with that. And in the process of that, I have to think of myself with the spiritual self-image. I have to carry myself in a way that is aware of what God is doing in my life. Too many people come into the church and we ask them, hey, what's God doing in your life? And they just shrug their shoulders. As if they, as if they are completely oblivious to what God is doing in their life. That is more revealing than you could possibly understand about what's going on in your life. What's going on in our lives has to be ferreted out and understood and mined out by listening to the voice of the Spirit and He gives us the wisdom to, to walk in that way. And we also get free of stuff as we're living our life, certain things come off of us as we're walking in our, in our life, as we're living our life, certain things come off of us and we become freer and we become less the person we used to be and more the person we're destined to be. And if we we're doing that, then we can carry ourselves with a spiritual self-image. The second thing he says here in verses 4 and 5, he, he, he reminds us, he says, Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given given us. We each have different gifts according to the grace given to us. So he says here specifically, each member belongs to all the others. That's why when one of us hurts, all of us cry. That's why when one of us rejoices, we all rejoice together. Because we're praying for these things, that that these breakthroughs that can happen in our lives, we're praying for our destinies. Our destinies are entwined because God has put us here. Right? He has knit us together as a body of Christ. We're here, we suffer together, we, we work together, we rejoice together, we are working together. We cannot come into the church and be a lone ranger. I mean, even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. Come on. We have to have ourselves connected to the body of Christ. Without that, I need someone to pray for me when I'm needing prayer. I need someone to counsel me when I'm confused. I need someone to help me. It doesn't have to be a clergy person. It doesn't have to be somebody who's who's got a title. I just need someone to pray with me at the altar. I need someone to lay hands on me when I'm too weak in my spirit to lay hands on myself. I need an encouraging word spoken from someone else. I need to know what's going on. And there has to be an idea of living in unity together. We have to be unified together. And that's what living a life of sacrifice, being a living sacrifice, when the body presents itself as a living sacrifice, then God can bless that unity that's on that body. And if I'm a member of one another, then I have to behave in a specific way. Before I knew my wife, I might have talked trash about her. I didn't, but I'm just saying I could have, because I didn't know her. I didn't know her. But now we're connected and unified together. And if you talk trash about my wife, I'll box your ears. There needs to be a sense of that in the body of Christ. We need to talk less trash about each other. And we need to defend each other more. We need to be the kind of people who are unified and we will not stand for anyone breaking that that connection that we have with one another. We live as a sacrifice when we live as gifted givers. See, God has given us each individual gifts. He says that here in the next few verses. We each have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Each of us have gifts, and the body has to have more gifts than just the ones that are popular. Right? Sometimes in the church, we have people who want to be a part of the, of the, you know, the people who are standing in the spotlight up here. There's nothing wrong. If God's called you to the spotlight, then that's a good place for you to be. But God wants us to, to also recognize there are people working the spotlight that no one will ever see. People who built the stage for the spotlight to be standing, shining upon that no one will ever see. People working in front of the camera and people working behind the camera. There are people in every aspect. There are people who, are, who no one will ever know. You ever think when we get to heaven, it's going to be a long line. Who gets to see Jesus first? Right? Who gets to see Jesus first? Some of us might think some guy with a big television ministry, he gets to see Jesus first. Others might think the pastor with the biggest church gets to see Jesus first. You know how I think it's going to be? The little old lady that nobody knows her name. But every week she went to church every week she heard the burdens of the prayers of the needs of the people and she took those home and she prayed for them the rest of the body forgot about those needs but she knew that her calling was intercession and she went home and she heard the brokenness in the hearts of God's people and she took that to, 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 as, as a reality and she began to pray some little lady is going to rise up out of the crowd when Jesus says come on down Come stand in front of me. And he's going to say to her, well done, good and faithful servant. And there'll be some people, no doubt, the question "Well." She didn't minister to thousands of people on, on the radio waves, or she didn't minister to thousands, but, but she interceded before heaven because she wasn't about doing what God didn't call her to do. She majored in the major. She sticked out, sticked it out doing the thing that God would ask her to do. And she didn't grow weary and well doing. She knew that God would reward her someday for the faithfulness that she did. And she didn't have to be recognized by people on earth in order to recognize that she was count, counted worthy to be a saint in heaven. That takes faith. It takes faith to operate in your gifts, especially when your gift isn't recognized or isn't appreciated. It takes faith to be able to stand up and be the kind of person who is being used in the giftings because God has given you a gift to use. Sometimes, you know, it's a part of the church desire to welcome the gifts, but we, we're imperfect. You're going to, you know, I just want to let you know. Can I tell you this? 100% of the time, humans will let you down. 100% of the time. I, have ne- I don't mean they'll let you down every time. I mean you will always be disappointed by human beings because human beings fail. So, even when they're trying, and sometimes it's well meaning that they're trying, and still yet they fail you. Because we're imperfect people. We need more gifts than can possibly be poured into one human being. And so we need each other, and we need the input of each other into our lives. That's what it looks like in a church that is a living sacrifice. A church that is a living sacrifice is unified. A church that is a living sacrifice, people walk around with a spiritual self-image. They don't think they're higher than they ought to be, but they don't think they're lower than they ought to be. They know what God is calling them to. They know what God is doing. When they're acting as a living sacrifice, they act in accordance with the gifts that God has given them, and they step out in faith and use those gifts. They don't aspire to someone else's gift. They know that they've heard from God, this is the gift that you've given to me, and they operate in that gift. And it doesn't have to be recognized by anyone or any group. It just has to be your faithfulness to the living God. Verses 9 and 10 tell us a little bit more about this. He says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love and honor one another above yourselves. So there's this, that word sincerity is the word without wax. It's one word. It means to not have any wax that's covering up imperfections, but just to be really honest, really sincere, really plain about who you are. Love must be genuine. Love must be sincere. Love must be a life without hypocrisy in it. So our love, we have to have that love. So when the body of Christ is living a life of a of a sacrifice of love, a a sacrificial life as an offering laid down, then there has to be love in the body of Christ. This is one of the reasons why we give you the opportunity to after service to fellowship with folks around. Because if you come in and you come out and you leave here, and you haven't talked to another soul, you haven't been very loving. Right? If someone says to you, hey, I really have a need and you don't pray for that need, you haven't been very loving. Oh, now he's getting in my business. <laughs> love has to be without hypocrisy. You can't say to somebody, hey, I love you, hope everything goes great, and then never think of them for the rest of the week. There has to be a connection. We have, there has to be something that's woven in there. A life that's laid down has to be full of love and full of hate. Full of love and full of hate. He commands us here that love must be sincere and that we must hate what is evil. You're not going to get clean or sober. You're not going to get delivered from the things that you want to be delivered to. You learn to hate what they do to you. It's really the truth. You have to. Now, that's not the only thing you need to get clean and sober. But you have to definitely have a hate for the evil that's being done in the world. When you read in the Tribune this morning, as maybe many of you did, that there was nine people shot over the weekend in the, in our town, and you thought, "My God, it's every week." That when you think about, how is it? Time after time after time the people are getting shot and we don't even pay attention to it anymore. The violence on the street is, is amazing. And that's just the stuff we hear about. We don't, don't hear on the news about the two people here in Berwyn on 18th Street that got shot at, the, at a block party. We don't hear about those things. These things are happening all around us. There has to be a, something on the inside that says, that makes me angry. I hate that violence. We, we don't think violence is a big deal but if you go back and read Genesis 6 you'll find out that the reason God destroyed the earth through the flood was because violence had gotten out of control on the earth. The earth was so violent that God said we got to wipe it out. Think about that. doesn't say about doesn't talk about other sins, just the sins of violence and yet in our culture we read it and just go to page two and just keep moving on don't pay any attention to it. There has to be a sense of love for humanity and love for each other and also a sense of hatred for the things that are destroying us and keeping us from one another. There has to be a devotion to one another. Oh, an honoring of one another. If the church is going to lay itself down as a living sacrifice, then the church has to be a place where people are honored for who they are, not looked down upon from where they, for where they came from, or looked down upon for where they are in process, but rather recognize that God has something for them that He wants to take them to, and also loved enough to recognize that God can't allow you to stay right where you're at. There has to be a challenge. Thank God for the people who challenge us in our life. Amen. It challenges to grow. You may say that those people aggravate me. But God says, I'm just challenging you to learn what it is to be patient. The fifth thing is, he talks about here is he talks about living a life that's, that's known by, as spiritually alive. Spiritual fervor is burning on the inside. He says it like this. He says, never be lacking in zeal. Well, we could be guilty of these, huh? Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position, do not be conceited. So as he as he describes what this body that's going to be the body of a, that's, that looks like a living sacrifice as he describes that he says this is what it looks like it's full of of service it's full of joy it's full of patience it's full of endurance it's full of of, of faithfulness in prayer it's full of prayer it's full of, of of sharing and giving to people you know the Bible never tells you to loan anybody any money. Never once in the scripture to say, say to loan somebody some money. It says give it to them. Now if you can't say amen, just say ouch. We'll understand what you mean. That's <laughs> the reality of it is. What happens? If I, if, I, uh, if I loan Dave $20, and Dave forgets that I loaned him $20, I walk around seething in anger because it's been two weeks and he never gave me back the $20, he doesn't even remember. And I'm seething in anger about this 20 bucks. You know, and it's just $20. I would never ruin a relationship for $20, but it's just working on the inside of me. Same scenario. Dave needs 20. I give him 20. Don't ask me for 20 after a service (laughs) now. But I'll probably be obligated to give it to you if you do, because you have to preach in this. But so if if I just give it to you, then I never have to give it another thought. Right? And someday he comes into the flush and he goes, hey, I got an extra 20. I remember that day Pastor Dave gave me that 20. I'm going to go bless him. Right, And then, and then the, the body becomes a, a group of people who aren't borrowing money from each other, but are, are living in love, giving to one another, blessing one another, and there's a place where blessing happens to you all the time. It's a, it's a much better picture than what we've dumbed it down to. And when I say dumb, I mean dumb. Rejoice with each other. Mourn with each other. You know, we, every every Sunday we pray together with the people on the worship team, and some Sundays is up day. People are really up. You know, some some days it's a, it's a down day. People are most of the people are down. The other days a, it's a mixed bag. You learn to rejoice. Oh, thank God for the answer to that prayer. We've been praying together for that. Thank God for the answer to prayer. My prayer didn't get answered, but thank God for your answer to prayer. And we're honestly happy for what. That is going on with those lives. Rejoice with each other. Live in harmony with each other. Don't nitpick each other. I know this can happen because at the beginning of our marriage, my wife and I, we nitpicked each other because I didn't live like she lived and she, she doesn't live like I live and so we would nitpick each other. But then after a while, I got tired of arguing. Don't you get tired of arguing? Don't you get tired of the strife? Don't you get tired of all... And you just have to say... I'm just going to let that slide. I, I'll, I, she says, I'm just going to remind him that his socks don't go on the floor. <laughs> but I'm just not going to become a raging nag about it. I'm just going to remind him. You know, I'm not going to make it a deal breaker. That's it. You know, the 55th time you've laid your socks on the floor, well, we're done. Because why? Because that's not, because you have to learn forbearance. Look at your neighbor and say forbearance. You need to go look that up, what that means. If you need a picture of it, it's what God does with you every second of every day. He deals with your junk every day, overlooks it, and says, I know there's a man of God, I know there's a woman of God somewhere on the inside of there. And don't be proud. Because we know who you really are. You can walk around all proud, but we know who you really are. We heard the stories. And we believe most of them. (laughs) Verse 13 says, Share with God's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Man, we have a hard time with this one. Bless, be a blesser so much that even your enemies you bless. Wow. I would much rather punch them in the nose, wouldn't you? But, but to bless them, to pray for them, those who despitefully use you, as Jesus said. That's what a life laid down. So you have to die to yourself to do this stuff. You know... Test, if a testimony was given and somebody says, Thank God, God answered my prayer. I could go, He didn't answer my prayer. Why didn't God answer my prayer? How come? Or I could just say, Hey, thank God He did answer your prayer. It's all on account of who you're living for. If you're living for you, then you do it the other way. But if you're living for Jesus, you're saying, Hey, I'm willing to s- anything for the kingdom of God. Whatever God wants to do. There has to be an ownership of that on the inside of our life. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful what you do, Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody, if it is possible, as far as depends on you. Live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. There has to be a commitment to have peace not only on the inside of our heart, but to have peace mark our life. That means we have to die to the violence, the reaction, the warfare mentality that we have in our society. We have to die to that and we have to begin to bless those who who curse us. We have to do what is right. We have to live at peace as much as it's within our capability to do so. Live at peace with other people and to overcome evil With the good that we have in our life. You want to change this world. It's not going to happen through the voting booth. You want to change this world. Voting one way or the other is not going to. No one cares. But people will be drawn to Christ. If they see you living a good life. That overcomes evil. Just simply by being good where you're planted. Now, all those major six things, living at peace, living in spiritual fervor, living the life of love, living as gifted givers, living as people who are unified, living as people with the spiritual self-image, those six things, those generalities, if we, as a body of Christ, begin to practice Romans 12, if we begin to do that, and we begin to live our life, then our life is laid down. The scripture says that there is, There, when when all that is done, there the Father commandeth a blessing. The anointing of God comes on the body laid down. That's when the anointing will come. That's when your revival will begin to stir. That's when your miracles... Why would God do miracles for people who are hating each other and backbiting each other? I hope God is more merciful than me, but if he's not... You would would never see a miracle if I was God. (laughs) Because I see the way we treat one another. The The way we keep this place hallowed is not by how often we clean the windowsills. It's by... What we do with our hearts is dying to ourselves. It's being genuine people who really care about one another and love one another and overlook each other's imperfections and just love us. And as we die to ourselves, then we become a living sacrifice. And then God can send the fire down to consume the sacrifice. Then God can send the fire down to consume the sacrifice. But, you know, we're kind of like that. Sacrifice says, well, I'm going to... Well, it seems to be a little tricky to do this here with my hip. But uh, we're gonna lay, I'm just going to lay down here on the altar because I'm a living sacrifice. You know what? I've I got something to say about that. We want to jump up all the time off the altar. Right? Every time something goes wrong. Oh, I'll lay my life down as a living sacrifice. God, anything for you? But Well, I don't think that's right. And we, we won't lay down. And God is saying, would you just lay down already? Not to each of us as individuals, each of us as individuals have to practice it, but we have to practice it here. Isn't it great that God has given you all these imperfect weirdos to fellowship with every week? <laughs> People who will rub you the wrong way, who will talk smack about you behind your back, so that you have the opportunity to practice forgiveness. Isn't it wonderful that God has stuck you together so all your imperfections could clog up with each other and you would be able to see this is what it means to live as a man or a woman of God. I have to let that go. I have to forgive that one. I have to remember when I was doing that. Oh, I have to remember that when Sometimes that was just this morning. So, you know, I had to... I have to look through that and I have to practice what it is to be a man or a woman of God and lay my life down as a living sacrifice. And when we're all piled up on the altar, God says, Oh, goody, let the fire fall. Come on, everybody. That's our hope. That's our hunger. That's what we desire. I want, see, God commands the anointing of, of His blessing upon the, the unity of the church. The psalm says there the Father commands a blessing where the church is unified. We must be that unified people. Don't let anybody get between you and your brother or sister. Honor them. Stick up for them. And recognize what God is doing in the body of Christ. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the the Spirit is saying this morning to Christian Life Center. Let them hear what the Spirit is saying. you got to live like a consecrated being if you want the fire to fall. Right. You you bow your head with me today? Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope you were blessed by it. If there's anything that we can do to help you further your relationship with God, we would love to be a part of it you can contact us through our website, www.berwinag.org. Thank you, and God bless.